da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Welcome back, man, fam, to the main feed here on the Mad About Movies podcast. Kent Garrison here, joined by my co-hosts Brian Gill and Richard Barden. Today we're talking Doctor Sleep and uh, kind of a weird sequel to Doctor Strange. I mean, it kind of went down, <laughs> really got really depressing really fast, you know. Um, but you know, leave it to the MCU to kind of turn things around. We'll give them give them time. But yeah, um, I was surprised I didn't see anything about the recasting of Benedict Cumberbatch. You know? <laughs> that was a yeah, and they really kept that under wraps. Kudos to them. <laughs> I, I miss Rachel McAdams though. You know, I love Rachel. Yeah, McAdams, it was, so there was she... some time travel involved, so she was she's <laughs> definitely here. Um, so welcome, Shining fans, to this mm. Doctor Sleep episode. Um, I don't believe we've talked to Shining at length before, but we've certainly talked our share of Stephen King. On yeah. the show, we'll be shining at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, Surely if there's, there's an anniversary, an anniversary yeah, yeah, we will definitely do that. Um, we talked Stephen King, like I Next said, year. we Next we year talked, we'll do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. there we go. Um, uh, we talked decent, decent it chapter film. two just a month ago, and um, yeah, so it's it's right up our alley. I feel like we've reviewed a couple of movies like this in the past couple of a uh, couple of months, and so this is a very horror. Heavy uh, 2019, and my list um, reflects that there's been a lot of strong horror movies in uh, in 2019, which is which is good. A lot of intellectually stimulating um, horror movies. So this one is the direct sequel to The Shining, and it comes based off the direct sequel book by Stephen King, Doctor Sleep, and um, stars Ewan McGregor as Danny Torrance. So, I've said on the show, I'm a Kubrick apologist. Love, love, love me some some Kubrick. Um, definitely my top three directors ever. Um, love Louis Bow and Louis Lettier. Louis, Louis, Louis and Louis, yep. Um, <laughs> Louis, Louis, Louis and Stanley. And Louis. Um, Louis and Louis sounds like a Nickelodeon show from like 1996. <laughs> it does. <laughs> right, right after Ren and Stimpy. Next on yep. Louis and Louis. Yeah. <laughs> the... Um, I, yeah, I just love me some Kubrick. Uh, over the past probably five or so years, I've revisited his movies a lot. I'd say The Shining's probably worked its way. It's my favorite one. used to be two, 2001, but The Shining has just been so much more rewatchable for me over the past couple of years. I just don't want to watch 2001 as much as I want to watch The Shining, you know, yearly. I watch The Shining like almost every around every Halloween and watch all the special features and room 237 and all that is, is a fun, fun mm-hmm. rewatching and, and, uh, and revisit. So, so yeah, big fan of the shining, big Stephen King guy. Haven't read Dr. Sleep though. Have read the shining. And, um, for me, I can't see how this movie would appeal to anybody who isn't just a huge fan of the shining. Uh, you know, I, we got a couple of tweets at mad about movies. If you want to follow us and please do, uh, saying that was so, so boring. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then we've gotten some tweets like that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. You know, a lot of, a lot of in between here. So for me, I really enjoyed this experience as just revisiting the sets of the shining, revisiting the overlook, revisiting this source material, um, this mythology. And I had fun with it. It's a long freaking movie. 
didn't like that, but, um, you know, me as being like a film nerd, shining nerd, this was a fun, fun, uh, revisit. It, it reminded me of Zombieland Double Tap, where it's like, I don't know if there's a demand for this at all, but I'm glad I saw it, and I can't say that it does any disservice to the source material, you know, um, it complements it well and effectively, and this was a fun, this was a fun one for me. Um, so, Brian... I know you're not a horror fan at all, and I'm surprised you made the time for Dr. Sleep. So <laughs> rewind the listener on kind of your background on this. Yeah, this wasn't one that I would have said was uh, that I was anticipating by any means. Uh, the Shining is is one of the – obviously is a, is a classic, and I've seen it a couple of times. I'll watch it next year when we when we review it for its 40th anniversary. But it's certainly not a one that I go back to frequently as – you know, all horror movies are that way. I don't, I don't rewatch any horror movies with any, with any frequency. And, uh, I don't know that I watch any Kubrick movies with any frequency either, but just not really my, my thing. But I thought the trailer for this was really interesting. I, I have this, I have a thing with Stephen King where I don't read very many. I have not read very many of his books, certainly the horror ones, especially, I rarely love the movies that come out of his books, except for, you know, the dramas, the the novellas and stuff, Shawshank and, and Green Mile and things like that. But I'm always very interested in the world that he creates. And like, I will go occasionally when he puts out a new book, sometimes I'll just go to the Wikipedia and read the whole spoiler of like what the book is just because I think he creates really interesting worlds and he takes characters that, um, uh, that he does interesting things with. And I don't know. I, so I always liked that. I thought the trailer was pretty solid. I had no idea that there was a shining, uh, sequel. I guess I vaguely now remember that book coming out and seeing it, you know, at target and stuff, but it, it certainly was not, I haven't certainly haven't read it and it hasn't like permeated my, uh, sphere of influence or anything, but I thought the trailer was good. And, and, uh, I like Uma McGregor and it seemed like the type of horror movie that was going to be one that uh, would have some jump scares that would freak me out in the moment but wasn't going to cause me to lose sleep. And that's where I draw the line. If I feel like I'm going to lose sleep or if I, it's just so gory that I, I just can't you know, handle it in the moment, then, that, then I'm out on that. But, but uh, I thought it was interesting enough to be there. And I'm glad I did. I really liked this. I thought it was very good. And... You know, again, I don't love The Shining. This isn't better than The Shining, but I, I for sure would would rewatch this before rewatching The Shining. I, I, I found it to be a pretty interesting, a pretty interesting world with with pretty decent acting and and uh, overall was was uh, was quite impressed. For me, I'm a Shining guy. I like um, that film quite a bit. Obviously, it's one of the great to me, one of the classics. I love, I like Stephen King a lot. Um, you know, kind of the the more of the canon stuff, less of the sort of ancillary stuff. But since this is in this world, even though it may not be one of his top 10 novels, it's, it's kind of definitely in his top 10 universes. And, and so I was interested in it for sure. Um, I, I like him and McGregor quite a bit. I, I always enjoy him and things. I, 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 you know, we, we'll talk a lot about this, but the marketing of this film was very confusing. Mm. Um, it was like based around two things. Well, one, obviously the release dates was idiotic. Yes. And, gosh. uh, as I mentioned on Twitter, like you can look for my um, "It's a Wonderful Life" sequel, January twelfth, twenty twenty one. It's going to be huge. Warner Brothers said that's the weekend for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they ran so some analytics. Them. They got yeah, an algorithm. They, yeah, it's Moneyball over there. 
and then uh, number two, it was like, I don't know. I was confused. I love Ewan McGregor, but it was like the whole thing was built around him. You know what I mean? It was like such a movie star marketing campaign. I don't think he's a movie star. He's quite good. Yeah, totally agree. He's a name we all know. He's mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. Mulan Rouge is huge. But like... He's not, it's not Leo in a Stephen King movie or something. You know, I don't, I was very confused. That seemed to be the whole thing. Like, but it's Ewan McGregor, right? And you're like, yeah, sure. All right. There's a couple movies. I like that motorcycle thing he did. Uh, so uh, this is, it was, it was confusing on that front. So it seemed like kind of, um, kind of haphazard and a little bit of a mess. And then, it, yeah, the film itself is, is, is quite good and interesting and, and uh, surprising, and um, certainly not necessary, but certainly not a waste of time, mm-hmm. and worked for me. So, yeah, that's kind of my my general thoughts. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Yeah, I thought stylistically, they would probably lean in a little bit more to Kubrick, you know? Um, they save a lot of that stuff for the third act, really, you know, the homage. Um But I thought this would be a little bit more, I don't know, we talked about with Gemini Man a couple of uh, weeks ago, month ago, or something like that, that um, once you realize what this was going to be, you should have leaned into it a little bit more. And so I'm actually surprised that it wasn't more shining-y, if that makes sense. And it was more of its own story, Um, because I felt like the... The the stuff that they did do with the Overlook was so good that I just wanted I wanted it so bad in this movie, you know. Like I wanted Danny to have flashbacks so that we could go back to that set, you know. And um, I think they they do it effectively, though. You know, they 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 sprinkle it in um, effectively. They they do it in a way where. Um, it's almost like PTSD, but borderline, like, I don't know. There's like a psychoanalysis to the entire way that they revisit The Shining, you know? And I didn't expect that um, going in. I thought it would be way more uh, upfront about the homage than it is. And I just loved how they did the uh, the talking between the characters, you know, the actual Shining, you know, if you will. Mm. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but, you know, just as a filmatic device, you know, the way that they chose to portray that on screen can either work or not work. You know, you can do some kind of split screen thing. You can do, I don't know, all kinds of things uh, with with the way you decide to to shoot that. But I thought that was really believable and almost fun, you know, the way that the characters can communicate with each other through long distances um, and that's never really explored as much in, in The Shining. And so I like that. I like I liked just giving this this uh, world a little bit more of life, you know, a little bit more mythology. Um, I didn't think I was interested in what happened to Danny Torrance after the fact, but this is a really good compliment to it, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know how I feel about... The, um, you know, like I said, I liked revisiting The Shining, but I don't know how I felt about recasting the roles. How did you feel about that, Brian? Just just on a general sense, just like, you know, not yeah. having Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, but still having Jack Torrance in, if, in the movie. If ever 
you know, this whole James Dean going to play a character in this movie thing is, is kind of took film Twitter by storm over the last week. And I'm firmly in the camp of that just doesn't need to happen. And we don't, we'll <laughs> we talk about that. that in an upcoming episode. Yeah. Of Cause film. I'm not going to get into yeah. it, but, but if ever you were going to use the face technology that face, we've seen, the, uh, the CG Rogue face One, or yeah, and the aging, right. The DA, whatever, this is the time, right? Like that, that it's, it fits. It's, uh, I think it's appropriate for the movie. It's appropriate for those characters. It's limited, you know, those guys, you know, they're only in three scenes through the whole, maybe four. It, it, that really would have been pretty easy to do or it wasn't maybe legally. Not, maybe it's not problem. easy. Yeah. yeah. It's, they have to since they Jack's alive, yeah. they sure. have to sign it. Cause it's sure. their likeness. Whereas James Dean is just his sure. estate. That's like, sure. Cash. Awesome. So I sure. think that was the issue. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I'm didn't surprise. Then I wouldn't have done that with Jack. I might have done totally. it with with Shelly to an extent. Uh, but even that, I probably would have shot it to where you don't see her face if I couldn't get yeah. that done. Uh, but the Jack scene in particular, I I don't think was uh, I don't think it was this. You know, I complained about the the runtime on this before we went into the movie. You know, I texted you guys I was like, why is this over two and a half hours long? And then in the movie, I was like, I kind of get it. It's it's definitely too long. And it's definitely drawn out. Uh, but it's I don't know where I would make the cuts necessarily. But that's one scene where I think I'd say, if I can't get Jack, I'm going to cut that scene. And we're just going to do something different there. Or, or we're, we're going to save four minutes of runtime or something. Because uh, I didn't... It is a little bit... It, it takes you out of the movie for a second, I think, uh, for me it did. And again, I really like this movie. I'm going to give it a very good grade. But that is a... That is a criticism. That is a low point for for the movie. I think it's, a, it's an odd choice from the director's standpoint. Yeah, there is a lot of source material with these. You know, we talked about that <laughs> yes. with it, chapter two, and it. It's just like there's like nine thousand pages in that book. Yeah, and this one's only. We talk about that with Harry Potter. You know, in the uh, yeah. Yeah. in the VIP, we talk about what what are you going to cut out of these? You know, and and if you cut stuff, you've got. Half the audience, like, well, how could they cut that? Have you betrayed what it represents and all this stuff, you know? So it's almost like they're obligated to kind of do that. And, and you know, with these movies, with what they've established with, with The Shining, you know, is two and a half hours or the director's cut is. The original cut is two hours, but, like, the the widely available version now is two and a half hours. And then uh, It Chapter 2 is two and a half hours, you know, so... It's been established with these Stephen King, Stanley Kubrick movies that you're in for the long haul, and you're not going to be. It's you're. It's kind of a psychological grind, kind of a thing, and mm-hmm. that's that's what this is. I mean, the original Shining literally takes place in one location for two and a half hours. I mean, various rooms in that location, but yeah, this is much more of a of an overarching, like wide reaching story than that. Um, I really enjoyed like the magic hat lady. Uh, What's her, what's her name? Rebecca Ferguson. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's um, really good. I think like this movie is kind of a make or break on her. I don't know if it make or break on who Dan Torrance is, but like if that character is doesn't work, you know, if that's mm. Cara Delevingne or something, like oh my gosh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if this whole this whole movie falls apart, and that and she was so so good and believable in that. Like when I saw the trailer, that was the one thing in the trailer that I saw. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm in for where that's going mm. with the magic and all that, you know, kind of the right. psychological, not psychological, but more the paranormal and less psychological elements of it. Yeah. Um, 
but it did, man. It worked for me. I it made sense. It's a dumb makes dumb sense. Um, but it made sense for me. I thought it was creepy the way they shot like that opening sequence with the girl, you know, and her at the uh, by the lake with all those people like creeping up on them. The 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 knot or whatever creeping up on them was really effective and like just the actors that they chose for the for the uh, the knot is were really good too you know like i don't know if you can be typecast in hollywood as like creepy looking guy but like they had multiple i don't know that guy from like that plays like the the tall alien in men in black was in this movie you know yeah like the grandpa and he's just like he brings a certain energy to a movie, you know, just the way he looks. And I feel like they really got that in this movie where just like the the casting, just the atmosphere that they brought really matched The Shining. And that's what The Shining is, man. It's just atmosphere for two and a half hours. It's mm-hmm. music and cinematography and creepy atmosphere. And a lot of people complain that the movie doesn't go anywhere, but it's not trying to go anywhere. It's trying to put you in a weird state, you know. And this does the same, man. I was impressed with that. What did you guys think about about just, you know, how it kind of matched what The Shining was, you know, because it's, you know, one thing to be a sequel and be its own movie, but how did you feel that it was a, you know, I don't know, complimentary to the source material of the yeah. movie? I think, you know, it's certainly, like I said, it wasn't necessary at all. And, I, you know, your your impulse as anyone that cares about uh, the culture at large is is sort of to immediately roll your eyes when they announce something like this. Um it, despite the fact that it is the original author and source material, you know, that's everybody's just like, okay, uh, at least mine is, is, is that. So I, I still have like 5% of that. Um, though this was very capable, I think that's the best word for it. It was like a very capable sequel, but of course, you know, you can never replicate what that movie meant in that time. I always say that about like, you know, yeah. uh, like with songwriters, you're always like, yeah, I like listening to someone else more than I think someone else is more interesting than like, say like Bob Dylan. And you're like, I get that. But, and so they'll go, so that person is better than Bob Dylan. And you're like, that's great. But you have to understand that person had the luxury of getting to listen to Bob Dylan when they were coming right. up. And he, right. he, the originality of him and not, you know, that's just a random example is, is a value and the originality yeah. of the shining as a film and its influence is what makes it great. This certainly will not have that. Now, like you said, Brian, maybe parts of this are more rewatchable and stuff because it's more contemporary to our time. Mm-hmm. It's very well made and, and interesting and all that, but I don't think it will ever match what that, mo- what that movie meant at that time. This will never, I don't think, I mean, obviously we'll never get to yeah. because that's such a, that's such a canon film of, of culture. Anyway, Brian, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% agree. This is a, and that's kind of what I meant. Like, this is a, it's more enjoyable. It's, it's, uh, it's, I don't even say more fun, but uh, that's kind of, maybe that's the, anyway, regardless, but it can't possibly be The Shining, you know, that's not a, that's not a thing that we are, (laughs) I mean, it made $14 million. I don't know how we can replicate (laughs) that at this point, but but that's no, but I do studio, think, man, that's such a shame. Oh, that's such a failure to the people it that really worked on is. this. That's it. Really is. What's frustrating again, too, just because we always say, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. Yeah, we always get crap for like when we crap on the DC movies, and part of it's just linguistically we do that. But that's like a Warner Brothers problem. Like mm-hmm. the DC properties are cool, and they should be better. And 
it's just easier to be like DC v Marvel or something. But yeah. the real thing is WB v Disney. And, and WB, which is a great historically studio, has re- released some uh, really great stuff over the years, appears to not know what they're doing over the last like eight years. Mm-hmm. So that so I just want to end this. This is on a long list of, of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, the, I said this about Zombieland 2. It made no sense for Zombieland 2 to come out opposite Maleficent 2 as well. And right. at least when there was nothing coming out on Halloween yeah. weekend. And at least for Halloween, or excuse me, for, uh, for Zombieland 2, they had the excuse of they already were on that date and Maleficent 2 came in afterwards. But that happened in like February. Like you could have very easily shifted one week and probably goosed the numbers by eight to ten million dollars just by being I don't know. It's just an odd it was a very odd thing. But this movie, even more so than Zombie Land Two, has zero excuse yeah, it's for not coming out. I don't know. I, I honestly I didn't even think about it being after Halloween, to be honest with you. Like I get I get your I get the point, but I think like this I don't know if The Shining is a horror movie. Does that make sense? Like, oh, it's definitely a horror. But I, oh, I just yeah, mean from is. a box office standpoint. Yeah. That's all. Like, you're you're right in the tone and the feel of the movie. It's It doesn't feel like... It feels like fall more than it feels like Halloween to me. But, it feels yeah, like... But, but it falls over on November 1st in terms of, like, the <laughs> culture, right? I mean, it yeah, that's goes right true. into holidays. Yeah. So. So that's you're right. I mean, it's not a straight. It's, it's not like a Halloween. Not, it's not movie. like this is. It's not like we're talking about this in April. You know, no, totally. no it I would agree. make more sense in April. That's what I mean. Like, if you release this in April or February, that's fine too. Because you're right. It's not a Halloween type mm-hmm. horror movie. That's fine. You could, but to release it the week after is yeah. so stupid. Yeah, because it's you're gonna pick a, yeah, up. That an extra, doesn't make sense. Might as well right. do it on Halloween. Then. Right, because you're, right. you're gonna. You're gonna pick up an extra twenty percent of people that are just in the mood to see something vaguely spooky yes. and just make Absolutely. a little more money. Yeah. It's just easy money, and the fact that they weren't, you know, like again, yeah. If you release this on February twenty eighth, I don't care. That's fine. Uh-huh. Or June, I don't care. That's fine. I won't <laughs> give you a hard time. But November eighth is yeah. so idiotic. It's so close to the date that, right. you, like, why would you not look at the calendar and be like, oh, the only thing coming out that weekend <laughs> is black and blue. Yeah. And this countdown horror movie, like you could have just eaten countdown's box office and right. added it to this very easily. And what's what's maybe most frustrating and to me built about a marketing that, campaign around it, like yeah, the original scary yes. world yes. of that. I mean, you could that have just be, goosed that. That would be a brilliant way to do things. But like one of the things that I always harp on here is keeping the budgets lower, and that Hollywood has to recognize, like, hey, th- we don't live in the world where we're where movies, where every movie just prints money the way it did. A few years ago and that'll look that's cyclical it'll change some it'll come back around a little bit but um kind of what you said Richard like this is they marketed it as a as if Ewan McGregor is a is a movie star but they only had a 45 million dollar budget right and that's such an easy thing to to kind of hit on when you're in those meetings when you're setting this up for uh to you know for its release and and the marketing and all that sort of stuff you're like man we have a pretty low target of what we have to get to um, and it would be and, another thing too if like Scream Five was coming out on sure, Halloween weekend. Absolutely, but there was nothing yeah. for some reason. No, so you they, have this they easily. If you're looking at that, that in May and you go, "Oh man, there's nothing sitting there." What mm-hmm. do we have that's remotely scary? I'm right. like shoving <laughs> yeah. everything to that yeah. weekend. Absolutely, and they they screwed themselves by doing Veterans Day. And yeah. So right. Midway won the weekend because sure. of Veterans Day. Yep. People wanted to see something release. Veterans Day that's, related. See, that's perfect like not release a great time movie, but that's super smart studio work. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but that all plays into kind of what you said, Kate, like the tone of this fits, I think pretty well with, with the shining. One of the, the cool things to me is you mentioned the cast and all the guys, the people that are in the, uh, what's, what's the group called? I'm sorry. The, the not the true knot. the not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that because, the, because the budget is low, lower than, than you might expect. Like you get character actors and I love that. I miss character actors playing important roles in films, not being like the eight person on the, you know, on the call sheet or whatever, but it's the same with Rebecca Ferguson. I think you get Rebecca Ferguson in this movie and she's great in this. She's great. She's yeah, she is. And, and you get her because you're not paying for, I don't know, Charlize Theron or something. Not that I don't want to see Charlize Theron in any movie she wants to be in. That's great. But that changes, uh, that changes the movie a little bit. And Rebecca Ferguson's great in this. And and so are all her, her little buddies. I love that. I thought that was such a cool, I was, it was, it's nice when you can look at a cast of five or six people in that setting and see a couple of faces that you recognize, but you don't necessarily know their names and you can't immediately be like, Oh yeah, that's the, you know, whatever. Uh, that's John C. Riley. You know, it's, it's a, I love that. And I thought it was a really cool thing. And it, it bums me out that this ended up losing money just because of uh, a poor, I think mostly because of poor, poor marketing and poor release timing. Cause you're right, Richard. Like I, like I said at the other, I really thought the trailer was very cool. Um, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense in the way that it was the tone of it and the way that it was, uh, it was geared and whatnot. It's I like Uma McGregor's not, <laughs> you know, he's putting, a few butts in the seats, but he's not putting tons and tons of butts in the seats. And it was odd to, to go yeah. that route. But anyway, it was certainly not 20, to, maybe in 2002. Right, 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 right. A little yeah. more, I mean, he's not falling off. I mean, he's not like, no, oh, whatever. Happened to that just, guy, there aren't movie stars. It's, it's like Brad Pitt right. and that's it. I mean, the rock, yeah. you know, but it's, there's not a lot of movie stars and, and you can't, and you can do that. You don't have to have a movie star in your movie. Exactly. Like, it was just weird. Yes. Their marketing campaign was like, right. That was it. Maybe it's it just great work by his agent. I mean, it really yeah, might absolutely. have been like, we absolutely. want his name on everything, and that's fine. I mean, I get but, it. It's a business. Yeah, but to answer your question, Kate, like, I th- I felt like it fit pretty well with the whole The Shining's uh, vibe and, and the atmosphere and yeah. all that kind of stuff, and then built upon it a little bit with the expansion yeah. of the world. You're just taking a it's, a, it's a wider look instead of The Shining, which is uh, kind of, as you mentioned, it is very localized. It is, is a very micro look and this kind of expanded it out. And I thought that was very cool. And I was, I'd be happy to go back. I saw today that they, that Warner brothers had some plans for some kind of, uh, uh, overlook hotel cinematic universe. And I, I, I assume that's out the window now cause it, yeah. it just performed so Maybe poorly. HBO max. Sure. <laughs> or, they have that you know, right. That's no, Plus I'm against that. any of this. No, it's AT&T but, now, isn't it? I like this because it's Stephen King still kind of leading the charge on it. And sure. it's still inspired, you know, like I don't want, yeah. I like castle, you know, castle rock. I've de- de- dove into after uh, yeah. mm-hmm. out of our it review. And that's, that's solid. Like I like that, but I don't, I don't want there to be the shiny six shining movies. Like I, you know, you like I think how- what's great about this is, um, uh, you know, at the beginning, when they play the music and the logo comes up and then, like, they show that one shot of the carpet of the Overlook and then, like, mm. they're going behind the big wheel, you almost have that, like, you're like, is this from The yeah. Shining or is this reshot? You know, it's like mm-hmm. the way they were able to capture that was so cool that you can't abuse that, you know? And sure. that's my that's my fear with, like, even making a sequel to Dr. Sleep would, will, would do that. I don't think this would be a colossal... Um 
bust because I think it'll have some legs because it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made 34 mil worldwide. By the way, can we talk about how awful the new box office mojo is? Thanks. I, I hate it. it so I can't find right the budget now. on yes. this. I know. I know. They don't I have it on there. there. They yeah. probably got a lot of crap from the industry yeah. for having budgets on there. And so IMDb is like owned by Someone a studio, needs to isn't just it? Make, re, just make it box office. Wow. Pojo. Something. Yeah. yeah, I almost really <laughs> went R-rated by accident. Total accident. That's not what I was trying to say. But uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, so it uh yeah, yeah it's a completely it. worthless anyway, website now. But, That's great. But, Way to go, guys. But yeah, 34 million worldwide. I mean, it'll probably make maybe 60 by the time it's done worldwide. That's I mean, that's not a that's not an earner at a 45 million dollar budget cuz the marketing was probably I mean, but it's not a huge bust where maybe if they go, "Hey, if we did this again, maybe put it out on October 25th, we might be able to make a little money out." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I <laughs> Uh, to to a point we talked about, uh, I think it was two years ago when we talked about Blade Runner twenty forty nine, yeah, and the fact that that didn't make almost any money either. It's opening weekend, and I remember just talking about at the time. It's like, well, Blade Runner wasn't that big, and it just doesn't have a lot of fans, you know. Like, is it just the same deal with The Shining? You know, it's like, did they just know that? there wasn't that big of an audience to begin with and you and McGregor is not that big of a movie star and let's just put this out and kind of see what it does. Or did you think that they were really like, this was way better than they thought it would be like kind of a thing, you know, like they turned this movie in in mid August probably, you know, and they're like, well, this is, this is pr- pretty good, but you know, like I, they almost yeah. too late at that point to make it into something. Blade Runner was much more so to me a thing where you're like, hey guys, nobody. I mean, Blade Runner is great. Blade Runner is a is a Mount Rushmore sci-fi movie for me, but like, it's not like it had a huge audience to begin with. And and I, I mean, yeah, it's a cult classic, but the way they pitched Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I also love, I think is a very very good mm-hmm. film. Um, it would kind of be like if you made Shawshank Redemption and two and gave it a $300 million budget. Just be like, oh, yeah. This but also made boring. it at the same time of making it a $300 million budget, made it more arty in a silent film yeah. for an hour and six hours long. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, a, that was such <laughs> it was a, a hard weird sell. combination of I mean, stuff. Yeah. But that and, was just, uh, Denny, like, you know, crassly throwing it on the table and saying, I want to make sure. this, I think. And yeah. And they, yeah. And Warren right. Brothers and wanting to be in the Denny business. And that's exactly. fine. Like that's cool. if you, you, you write that off and you say, Hey, we're going to lose money on this, but we don't care because we want to, we want to be making movies with, with Denny. And that's great. That's all. That's all fine. This one's weirder to me. Cause it, um, I think there's, uh, I don't know. I, I'm surprised by, by how low it is, even with the, the stupid, uh, release timing on it but i, well, it I would call doctor sleep they thought this it's not like it's called bigger. the shining too well, so and like I wonder it's if not that's like part it's a of it. name yeah, recognition it might have thing been like, where people are just looking for something like doctor sleep what the hell i totally don't know mm-hmm. i mean i remember seeing this on the release and i knew about the book but i just kind of like you brian had put it in the back of my brain or whatever sure. I, but i remember it and i i saw this on the calendar all year and honestly till like two months ago i was like oh that's that okay so if I and I'm pretty plugged in on this stuff, I do this, sh- you know. I, right, I feel like right. they maybe should have called it, you know, the, the Shining, Shining Doctor Chronicles, Doctor Sleep, <laughs> right. or something, you know, just yeah, like a no, total sellout. You're right. In the trailer, they had this big like, blah, like when they, they show the title, you know, at yeah. the end, and it's like it's just like I've seen this trailer. I don't know, 
at least a dozen times this year mm-hmm. and no one has, it, it's just like a, no one, it's a fart in the wind. It's just, a, you know, no one, <laughs> it doesn't have an impact, you know, like I just, I just think I underestimated like. The, also the uh, book came out six, it'd be one it thing was, the yeah, book it was, was huge like two years ago, but sure. the book came out six it, years ago. People it, aren't going to. It kind of came and went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure let's talk a well, but. Yeah, yeah, let's talk a lot more about this movie. So we're going to go spoilers now. So if you haven't seen Dr. Sleep, we're going to get a little bit more spoilery now. But if you've read the book, you're probably good. Um, so what were we some of the... you read the book for all of our reviews going forward from all the movies. One of yeah. the things I really enjoyed about this um, dive into this source material and these characters again was the way they went about the alcohol addiction thing, because you knew that that was coming somehow. I thought they did it with such, honestly, respect that I was really kind of, that's one of my favorite part of the movie was the, was that arc for Danny, you know? Um, It's done so well. And the way they cap it off at the end is so great too, you know? It's, it, you know, gives me goosebumps and we'll talk about that, but I was just I was blown away by by that in this movie. So what's something from Doctor Sleep that it had that you just like didn't expect or was different from The Shining that you liked, Brian? Uh, I liked the 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 communication between Danny and and Abra on the the wall and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Oh, the chalk, and, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was a that was a nice touch. Um, you know, the whole movie did a good job of just creating cool settings. And that were creepy, but not, you know, terrifying, which I appreciate. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how how scary did you find this? Because one of the main criticisms of The Shining is that it's just not scary enough. You know, people expect this like like Texas Chainsaw and they go see it and it's like, okay, you know, he's he's really angry, but it never really goes scary, scary. But what, what yeah. was your thoughts on the shining is scary because of, because of how tense it is Yeah, because you are tense yeah. to a, I mean, the first time I watched that, I just, I was, I mean, you know, just like on the edge of, I mean the proverbial edge of my seat, just like completely locked up because it's just, and you know that the things are coming and it just, gosh, it gets, it, it hits you so hard, but it's with the tension. This was less tense because it, Again, it it has different settings and it moves around and does a little bit more than just being locked in this creepy hotel. But uh, so I didn't I didn't find it overall too scary, and I I appreciate that. I do not I do not mark that as a criticism. If you're more of a you know a big time horror movie fan, you may find that to be a, a letdown. But I thought it was effectively creepy, and there were a couple of little sequences where I you know I did I kind of looked down to where I wasn't really looking at the screen uh, again because I'm I'm a big baby on this kind of stuff, but I'm not gonna have trouble sleeping tonight, so I appreciate that. But it was the settings are really well done and they're they're well shot and they're creepy and they have um I you know the lighting is good and all this sort of stuff that's that's very fine craft work from from uh, uh, Mike Flanagan the the filmmaker he that's a really there were little touches like that that I thought were great homages to The Shining, but also uh, had it, you know, had his own touch to it, you know. And I, I think that was a that was a really well, really well crafted uh, concept. And I love I, I I thought the concept, the idea with um, the group, um, just kind of traveling around as as sort of gypsies and what they're trying what to they're convert people. For. They're like vampires, essentially. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that I was always a liked... really well structured concept. It was, yeah. it was put to screen very well. The Halloran uh, 
um, cameo, I guess they recast him too. But I always liked that part of the book of his influence on Danny. Um, and I liked that he revisits him in this. I don't know if it's a, a real revisit or whatever, but um, he, you know, like, so are you going to start converting people too? You know, he's like, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, like the, mm-hmm. like how he's just pressured to be a part of the system of the people that have this gift, you know, and his reluctance to kind of embrace that. I like that too in this. Um, and uh, that was one of the parts that, you know, I didn't anticipate liking really, but um, was one of my favorite parts. So, Richard, what are some likes, dislikes of uh, Doctor Sleep? Yeah, I, well, we talked about. I I, uh, I really liked the performances of both the leads. I thought um, I thought they really did an excellent job. And we we talk about um, uh, the the lack of star power or whatever, or the marketing star power, but the but that is not the takeaway of these really great performances. And, yeah. and, uh, I, I thought they really sold it. Well, uh, great. Like I loved, uh, I always loved seeing Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah, Same he's always, a, he's always, uh, all that, um, uh, small Jacob Tremblay. Was that Jacob Tremblay? It was. It was. Okay. Yeah. I was like, that was, I was like, that looks just like him, but why was he, that wasn't a very big part. All right. Uh, sorry. Now I'm just like, totally going through stream of consciousness, but I liked, I liked, uh, I really liked the tone of this too, Brian. I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a, a wuss like you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's fair. <laughs> but I prefer this like level of spooky. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the hair on my neck to stick up rather than like just be assaulted. Uh, <laughs> that's just me though. Sure. But sure. I, so, so for me that really worked, but I can certainly understand if you're like a, someone that really enjoys, like super scary stuff uh, for the adrenaline rush and all that, and uh, that this may not may not have thrilled you, but I thought this was done. And, and yeah, Flanagan is an interesting director. I'd like to see. I really thought he handled. You know, there's. I see. To, to me, Ken, you you mentioned this at the beginning, and I disagree a bit. I like that it was a little bit different aesthetically than The Shining. That it didn't fully lean in. I wish they would have leaned into it more marketing wise, so it made more money. But I like that it was a bit of a departure because I think that's. I mean, to live up to Kubrick is so impossible to me. So I think it was smart to kind of separate it even visually a bit. But but I, the the aesthetic of the movie really worked for me as well. I thought it was kind mm-hmm. of um, vibrant and and uh, and artistic in a way that a lot of movies like this aren't. So yeah, those are kind of my general thoughts. Yeah, and what I I, I was just surprised it didn't a little bit more. Um... I mean, the shots that they do uh, kind of mimic The Shining are, like, literally shot for shot. Like, you put the shots side by side, it's like the old Overlook versus the new Overlook, you know? So they did mimic some original shots. They used some shots from The Shining, like that that sweeping overhead shot that's the opening shot of The Shining, that now it's, like, cold, snowy night, like when, when Danny and, the, and, um, and Abra actually go to go to the Overlook. I love that sequence, too, by the way, that, that whole... Mm-hmm. revisit was I want to talk about that whole sequence here um extended but what I meant uh was I'm surprised I didn't like do more steady cam I mean the inventor of the steady cam um I forget his name off the top of my head but you know he was the cinematographer like on the shining or the camera operator for that and showed off the capability of the steady cam on the shining and that's why it had this such so, surreal feeling at the beginning is cuz you know there was no track to lay down for 
like when they're going through the hedge maze, you know, and it makes the entire sequence of Danny backtracking his steps in the hedge maze possible, right? The fact that they could use the steady cam. Mm, yeah. So it didn't, I, I expected more embrace of that in this, and they do it That's a little fair. bit. I think, and you know, that there's that iconic dolly shot in The Shining where they're walking through the lobby and like the dollies on one side of the lobby and, um, and Ullman is walking them through the lobby, like right when they get to the overlook, you know, and it's like following them directly. It's like such a Paul Thomas Anderson, like Wes Anderson type of shot, you know, but like those types of dolly shots and, and steady cam shots, I just thought would be way more prominent throughout this. Like I just thought the, the way it was shot and presented would be way more reminiscent of the shining than it was like the, and the, and the stuff that was, was kind of like, from the shining. And so I appreciated that, but man, I'm, I'm fascinated by the process behind remaking the, the overlook. I want to see like hours of documentary on how they brought that back to life. And, uh, you know, both for, for the flashbacks and for the like age set too, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that was really, really well done. Um, but I'll be honest with you guys. We talked about this a little bit a couple of years ago, because what kind of broke this for me was Ready Player One when they when they go back in Ready Player One to the Overlook and the Colorado Lounge and everything. I got you know goosebumps in yeah. Ready Player One. I was like, this it was just so incredible to see that again on this big screen. And so I'm gonna be honest, that killed a little bit of the impact of like revisiting this mm-hmm. again for me. Um, but I was still fascinated by how they brought it back. You know, like the the big wheel shot where he like goes through the uh, lobby, but he's going on a different path this time. And it's still like with the wood floor and all the carpeting, it's the same, you know, like I wonder if they had to rebuild all that or if they actually went to the, uh, to the uh, Yosemite hotel, like the actual hotel and rented it out and gutted it and did the whole thing like they did for the shining, you know, Um, Mm. that fascinates me, but I was blown away by the recreation of the overlook. But what did you guys think about that? I like loved the third, it. The whole third act. Yeah, that, no, basically. it was, and it was a, it was cool that they waited. I, I, I guess from the trailer, I, I sort of assumed we're going to spend a lot of time in the Overlook and, and kind of holding it off until the last few minutes was cool. It, it made it for, it made that, uh, the impact of that whole, it kind of compressed everything that's going to take place there into, you know, whatever, 15 or 20 minutes. And I, I thought that was awesome. And to use it sort of as the home court advantage too. Uh, for Danny to do yes, that, was, that was, was great, cool. like a Home Alone kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, like where I've been here before, and I, I know where, where the traps are and all that. Right. Yeah, that was good. Just, that's, I mean, it is such a again. I've I've said setting four hundred times in this episode. I apologize, but that is what that's one of the main reasons why The Shining is so good is the setting and how creepy and um, disconcerting and uncomfortable that that the the setting is and the way that, that uh, Kubrick used it and then this did did it too the scene in the the hedge mage w- maze was awesome that was a really cool sequence and with the the box kind of sneaking up on her until the very last second and yeah, that was cool. uh, yeah I loved that I thought that was it was cool and having Abra run through the very familiar uh, spaces that we, you know, that we've seen from The Shining was was very cool too. That was a cool choice. The uh, the way that that whole thing was handled, I, the way, I loved yeah, it. the way they did the uh, switching personalities, I guess you mm-hmm. know, between yeah. Abra and Dan was great too. You know that twist. You know, 
you knew it was coming somewhere, but where it, where it did come was was really really good. Um, one more thing I want to comment on, and we'll hit grades and we'll we'll get all we'll get out of here. But um, is is the the final sequence like in the gold room at the bar? Um, I love that. I you know that that's a kind of a make or break sequence of this film too. Uh, you know because of the Jack portrayal and all that, but. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just, I love that the exact same shot from The Shining as he walks in down the hallway into the room, the empty room, and sits down at the bar. It was so, so great. I just, I'm fascinated by how they recreated that. And the film nerd in me is just like geeking out over that. I wanted him to walk into the bathroom so bad. The red bathroom, you know, when he (laughs) spills the drink and he goes in there. I wanted that so bad it didn't happen. But, um, but yeah, I thought and you know for that to be like the the penultimate scene in the movie too was was great. How he comes to face all his demons there and yeah, his alcohol addiction. I mean his like AA um, commitment and all that, and then also his father too being uh, being the bartender was. Mm-hmm. I don't. I bet that's in the book, but uh, I thought that was a, a really cool touch. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Good good way to to close out the the movie too. Again, like I, it was very. I'm glad that the dad, the foresight, and again, you're, you're probably right. It like probably comes from the book, but the foresight to keep the, the bulk of the movie away from the overlook and then, uh, take it all there at the end. That was a really, a, a good choice. Good choice. All right. Well, you guys got any other likes, big likes, dislikes with, uh, with Dr. Sleep? I thought uh, the actress that played, um, Abra, mm-hmm. both the actresses, uh, Kylie Curran, and uh, who is young Abra? She was very good as well. Uh, Dakota Hickman, shout her out. Great, great, mm-hmm. uh, great performances. And yeah, I got to hand it to Mike Flanagan, man. Watch out for this guy. House on Haunted uh, House on uh, Haunting a Hill House is really, really strong mm-hmm. as well. Of Netflix, it's what he's um, what he's known for. And um, Oculus, if you've seen that, mm. that's strong, strong. Uh, yeah, he's good. he's good. But yeah, fans. so check out Mike yeah. Flanagan and watch and out for him. He's from Sailing, Massachusetts. I'm reading. That's a perfect nice. place to be from. <laughs> right. This kind of thing. Yeah. The he uh, it it's kind of two different skills to be able to make that kind of horror movie and then to make yeah. this kind of horror movie. And a lot of times, That's I think cool. the the shift there is difficult for for directors. And he he handled that incredibly well. I think. And That's he's the editor too. So yeah. I think that That's, really. That's crazy. Speaking as somebody who edits their own stuff. I think that that, that does make a huge difference totally. in how you shoot things and knowing how it's going to be edited together. I need and... to see Gerald's game that he did on Netflix. Cause that's mm. really good reviews and Carla Gugino. That's <laughs> all Bruce I need. Of and Bruce yeah. Greenwood. Yeah. 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 Oh man. I'm glad you mentioned that. For Carla Gugino. <laughs> that was my favorite homage in the, in the movie was Bruce Greenwood's office being Stuart Ullman, basically yeah. Mr. Ullman's office. Yeah. With the American flag and the impossible window and the whole setup was the mm. exact same, uh, you know, as as Jack Torrance being interviewed for the Overlook. I love that touch. Um, I don't know if that's in the book either, but it's such a subtle and they don't mention it, you know, kind of thing. And it's great, you know. It's 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 a uh, man Flanagan. He knew he knew right. He knew exactly the note to hit with the with the um, you know. Crossing with the Shining, 
Yeah. And him looking through the door was, was really cool too. And it was, wasn't over the top. It wasn't like Jurassic World, you know, <laughs> like just like, <laughs> remember the shining. Uh, yeah. Y'all seen this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we have. It. That's why we're here. We've seen we're, it, Colin. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, good, good stuff. I, yeah, I don't know if this will be a success or if it'll lead to anything, but yeah, it was a, it was a good compliment to The Shining for sure. It'll be a good, good triple, triple um, feature. This room two thirty seven and The Shining. Um, it'll be good, good fun. What's your what's your uh, room two thirty seven theory that you subscribe to, guys? Do you have any? Do you have one? Have you guys seen I that don't, or no. rewatch really that? A, I've seen that doc, but I don't. Um, yeah, I don't have a theory. I have no theories either. Sorry to let you down. Oh, it's okay. What's yours, Kent? That's what you really, That's what we really want to hear. I don't know. There's there there there's one the, the one theory that's really mind blowing is like how if you get The Shining and you like roll out the film. Uh-huh. And one giant like film strip, and then you fold it in half and run it through the projector. How everything like mirrors everything else in the movie, like literally is like a circle, you know, like Creepy. from the shot selection to like you know what's actually being on the screen. Like Danny, like is seeing like the murder of the Grady twins, like while Jack Torrance is like over superimposed over. You know, it's like crazy stuff that like totally makes sense. That's like I don't see how anybody could plan that so that's pretty amazing um i love the apollo moon landing theory too that's that i mean if that's true that's that'll go down as the most incredible maybe thing ever in hollywood history but uh that's it's pretty mind-blowing room 237 is a doc about basically because because stanley kubrick took so many deviations from the shining the book with the movie the shining that there are theories about what it means. Like it was so personal for him, you know, he put so much of himself into it that he was trying to say something more than like make an adaptation of the shining. Right. He's just using the shining as a vehicle to make whatever movie he wanted to make. And that's why Stephen King was so pissed about it because he (laughs) did crapped all over it. And there's an actual shot in the shining where, where, uh, where Jack Torrance is driving down the road and he sees a wrecked, Volkswagen and it's like a red Volkswagen because that's the one that was in the book, right? And he's driving a yellow Volkswagen in the movie. And so that's Kubrick's way of saying, all right, like while Steven's in the theater, literally, that's for him to see, right? As he's like, oh, that's your Volkswagen? It's crust. That's what I think of your freaking thing. This is my this is my vehicle, so to speak, right? So yeah, I love love all the the theology and the the rumors behind The Shining and it just adds to to the movie that much more and kind of the experience of watching it. Um, if you can think of some weird theories about what it means. And I think that's, that was Kubrick was one of the first like directors that truly uh, understood like open-ended endings and what the effect of those were. And like getting people talking is almost as effective as having a happy or conclusive ending. And so sometimes that can work. And in this case it does. So let's hit grades guys, Dr. Sleep and, I was super pessimistic for this. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, but I liked it a lot, man. I'm going to give it an A. Not an A+, plus, but it was an A. From what I was expecting to what it is, give it an A. Dr. Sleep. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I'm an A as well. Uh, I don't know that it's necessary. Richard, you kind of mentioned that previously, and, and I would I would tend to agree. But that's fine. Like 90% of the movies we end up seeing at this point – uh, have some some questions about their necessity, but this was 
very well done and I really enjoyed it. And, uh, one of the rare horror scary movies. And again, I understand it's because it's really not that scary, but one of the, one of the rare genre films that, uh, I could, I could definitely see myself rewatching in yeah. the future. It's, it's very well done. I, I, I greatly appreciate this one. Richard, what about you? Yeah. A's for me as well. I nice. was kind of fluctuated between an A minus and an A, but I think I'm I'm convinced after talking through it. I, I'm excited to actually see this one again. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. Triple A's on Doctor Sleep. Never would have seen that coming, especially from B. Gill. Gosh. Man. Yeah. Um but I think I think if you can do this one, Brian, and I think I'm gonna let you know. If this is your barometer, I'm gonna start letting you know on what horror movies you can <laughs> you can do because this is like uh, I mean, if 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 like the scary like gross gross out like and you know, rotting old people thing is that was the closest I came to freaking okay. out. Okay, like, every time he one of them went into a bathroom and there that lady was, I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> yeah, that was right yeah, that is a. Uh... That and also the murdering of the, the baby, child. the baby, another, yeah, the dead baby. Yeah, that thing. Part I, that <laughs> was just funny. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that you just laughed out loud, really loud too. Um, <laughs> like I did was, the uh, I did the Brendan Fraser clap laugh. Dot <laughs> 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 gif. All right, that's Doctor Sleep. We hope you enjoyed our thoughts. If you want more podcasts from us, we have a VIP feed where we're doing a lot what? of throwbacks. And uh, Brian and I just talked about The Lighthouse. So if you've seen The Why Lighthouse did we? Uh, and you want our unabashed thoughts on that, <laughs> uh, join us on the VIP feed for that review because that'll be an exclusive episode for them. And join us on the Discord. I know we mentioned it on here. If you're a VIP, that's part of the perks free of charge and part of your uh your uh membership is you get on the discord and we talk all the time on there about all the movies we're seeing what we're doing um we got several channels we got a tv channel a spoilers channel we got a mavs talk if you're a local dallas mavs fan we got all that so that's been a one of my favorite things we've done for the vips so far Mm -hmm. it's been it's been a lot of fun and a lot of fun to heckle each other in there and it's batman shane just coming out of the woodworks i mean it's like vips everywhere it's crazy so awesome. join us over there madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash vip we got bonus episodes and the ama coming up as well so stay tuned for that but brian if i want to find you on the internet where can i do that you can find me on twitter bgill 12 you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the madaboutmoviespodcast newsletter richard where can we find you same places but uh richard barden on those same places B-A-R-D-O-N. Kent, where can I find you? You can, my, you can find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can find me at KentGarrison.com and at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com for all of our episodes. And, um, man, we got Ford v. Ferrari next week, so we yes. will see about that and what that has to bring from old James Mangold. But um, until then, look out for some bonus episodes on this feed and on the VIP feed. And until then, we'll see you guys at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scraps.